Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm delighted to be your host, as always, I'm a retail transformation specialist and I work with retailers and brands as a consultant and advisor, helping to drive transformation efforts forwards, tackling complex challenges, defining the ideal operating model, and ultimately making positive change happen. Thank you for tuning in today. This one is episode 235, number 235. The last few years have been challenging for many retailers, which of course is no surprise. An excellent resource to see the impact on the industry as a whole and how it's faring relative to other industries is EY's Profit Warning Report. It's released every quarter and it's looking at UK listed companies that are making an official statement to the stock exchange that their full year profits are going to be materially below the management's or market's expectations. So I was keen to dive into this profit warning insight and discover what little golden nuggets it tells us about the state of transformation right now. So I'm delighted to welcome Trevelyan Collier to the show. He is a partner in EY's consulting team. He's a self-proclaimed digital optimist, and he focuses on transforming organizations so they're simpler and smarter. He leads EY's rapid value creation offer and brings over 20 years of experience of simplifying retail and consumer product businesses. He guides clients through the complex and multi-year transformations so that they can make better and more agile decisions through the use of digital technologies, process efficiencies, and lean information flows. He helps retail leadership teams achieve a consensus on the priorities and collaborate to take calculated risks to solve macro problems, ultimately to achieve a more stable and higher performance operation. Find out more about Trevelyan and about EY and their profit warning insight on the show notes at obandco.uk slash 235. And of course, whilst you are over there, do check out the Retail Transformation Briefing. This is my weekly email newsletter featuring key headlines and insight from around the ever-evolving world of retail. It's absolutely free to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing. And in just a few minutes per week, you know your finger will be firmly on the pulse of the market. Sign up for free over at obandco.uk slash 235. So without further ado, I'm delighted to jump into this conversation. Enjoy listening. I'm delighted to welcome Trevelyan Collier onto the Retail Transformation Show. Very warm welcome to you, Trevelyan. How are you today? 
Good morning, everyone. Really fantastic. It uh, feels like spring's finally arrived here in Cornwall. Absolutely. Trevelyan, we're going to be talking about the retail industry and about transformation. And really, I'd like to start the conversation around EY's profit warning research and reports, which I always find really insightful. It gives a great flavour of where the wider industry and the wider business world is is heading as well. Tell me about the profit warning work that you do and what it means. Thank you, Oliver. So, I mean, hopefully our profit warning report uh, does exactly what it says on the tin. It's something we've been doing since 1999. And every quarter we produce a report of the companies that have made an official statement to the stock market about where they're expecting their full year results to be significantly below what was originally expected. And I think sort of to give you a couple of headlines, in the last year, there were 305 profit warnings given out, which it was a sort of 50% increase on the year before. And more than half of those cited the rising costs as part of the pressure. I guess it won't surprise you that 48% of FTSE retailers gave a profit warning last year, and there were sort of 36 of those in total. So, so look, I guess, you know, a tough time for, for retailers mm. out there. And I guess, look, we use it to, you know, to track where a company is. And, and we think about where the company is on a performance curve, where it's sort of distress at one end and excel at the other. And, you know, obviously, if a company has one profit warning, it puts you at one point on that curve, two profit warnings in a year, or even three profit warnings puts you further and further mm. towards that sort of distress end. And, and what that allows us to do is understand where the company is, what sort of transformation it needs, you know, the urgency of that transformation, and I guess quite often the time frame they have to turn things around. And do you tend to see people slip from excelling to distressed, you know, along that curve? Does that happen quite quickly? Obviously, there, each individual company has its own story, shall we say. But is it something that builds up over time, do you see, or do you actually suddenly find yourself in crisis? Generally, you know, these things, you know, are, are in slow motion. You know, there's always the stories where companies accelerate through through those very, very quickly. But but on the whole, you know, you see that gentle sort of stress, distress increasing over, over time. And, and it's not a, always a sort of constant evolution that, you know, if, if, if it's sort of a profit warning one quarter, that it's going to be the same again next. But you do see the, the trends, you know, and trajectories. And, you know, and again, particularly you can see that for a lot of retailers at the moment that they're sort of all not achieving what they set out to as the ambition of the year. And as I say, and therefore that allows us to structure the right conversation at the right time, which is often about how you, you know, halt that decline, turn it around, you know, get back to the Excel end, which is obviously where everybody wants to be. Let's dive down that hole for a moment about halting the decline and turning the business performance around. My view is transformation is obviously a key part in that. Yes, there are some operational levers that you can can go down, but often it's about bringing the company back up to a competitive or maybe even market leading proposition, making sure that the operations are efficient, et cetera, et cetera, and changing all sorts of different aspects of the business. What, what are your views on the impact of transformation on 
ultimate performance and avoiding profit warnings? I guess the sort of first point I make is it's it, it's never too late to, to do something about you know where you are on that position. I so agree with you. I'm so glad to hear that. There's always something you can do. You know, and and if you if you again go back to the report, you know, it's only about 13% of companies that issue a profit warning that delist in the year. So actually, in reality, most of them are, are you know are doing something to to, to do that turnaround. I, I guess for me, you know, it goes back to that point that you you've got to understand the nature of the transformation that you need to achieve as a company when you're sort of in that situation. And so, you know, we have teams that help specialize in helping companies at that sort of deep deep end of the performance curve. You know, we have sort of a, a fixed sell close team that are very successful about shorter, sharper transformations that probably slightly more aggressive, slightly less consultative to kind of create that reset or that stabilization for the, for the organization. Clearly, that is, can be very high energy and is not a sustainable over the long term. So, you know, what we are again trying to always do is help companies earlier in the cycle take a more orderly and more consultative approach to that transformation. Yep. It is still something that is, you know, is often a multi-year journey. But again, for us, it's important that you start to structure that transformation into a number of steps or waves, as we call them, so that you can kind of navigate the journey and the turnaround in, in a number of steps and kind of each time pause, reset, look where you want to go again, uh, and then move forward. So how do you think the type and the scale of transformation is changing? And how has it changed as you've seen the sort of the profit warning research develop? So when, when I think about the size of scale of transformation, I, I, I try to think about it in just two dimensions. I think the first one is about whether it impacts the customer proposition or not. So quite a lot of transformations were actually trying to drive efficiency or performance in an organization without it being you know, clear to the customer that we're doing that. Then, then again, there are sort of back back office developments, essentially. Yeah, and then there are the ones where you're trying to, you know, fundamentally change the the, the customer proposition or the customer offer, and that can then have, you know, is, is generally much bigger transformation. Mm. The second dimension I think about is how many functions in the organisation or parts of the organisation are involved in in the change. So again, you know, at one end, you know, you can have a single function in your business trying to transform, which can be significant for an organization. And in a retail sector, a typical one there would be the supply chain transformation. Yes, that makes sense. I guess increasingly, when I think about enterprise level transformations, it has at least three three parts of the organization needing to simultaneously change, and it's impacting the customer proposition. And, and what I will say is you know, what, we're, what we are definitely seeing in the conversations that we're having with our clients is tending towards those bigger, more encompassing changes. And you know, the, the, the bit about changing the customer proposition is often at the heart of it. So a fundamental shift to a more digital or omni-channel offer you know, is often at the heart of what the, the transformation is being driven towards these days. That's really interesting. And it certainly correlates to, to my viewpoint as well. What's your thought? Is that because we've got to a world where, you know, technology has evolved and omnichannel is now much more developed than it was a few years ago in terms of literal technical capability? 
is that because we've been putting off these big multifunctional customer facing transformations for a while? What's driving that shift right now from your point of view? I think I'm going to sort of refer back to, to COVID here. So, you know, that, that did force some very clear changes in both the consumer behavior. But a bit interestingly, in, in the main, a lot of that was about retail organizations standing up new capabilities internally. So putting, you know, different types of fulfillment centers out there, dis- different distribution patterns. So it's very internally focused. Yes. And, but, but what it did do was sort of seed some new ways of working for, 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 for the consumer that I think has settled over the, over the long term. You know, we've all talked about the, the acceleration of the digital shift. And I think what we're now seeing is, you know, is a more structured sort of refocusing on the, the customer end of the transformation and, you know, therefore making the most of the customer experience, the most of the, the customer offer where about before it was just about do the, you know, the, the quickest, fastest thing to be able to, uh, to offer that, you know, and accommodate that. So mm. we need to be much more digital on so, you know, hopefully it's a really exciting time because it's the bit that we all like about, you know, kind of get, getting to delight the customers and kind of giving them a much richer, broader range of products and services as part of part of the offer. Absolutely. I think COVID obviously was a huge change and a huge crunch point for many different companies and individuals. But what I really thought it showed us is actually transformation is possible. It can be done and it can be done quickly and across many different functions at once. And I hope there have been some great learnings that have continued on in the post-COVID era. I do think COVID was a great learning experiment almost for transformation. How have you seen transformation change, shall we say, 2019 versus 2023? So I think what we're seeing is in 2019, the transformations were much more sort of what I would call set pieces. And so you, you had a, a single program that had a, had a single objective, might have worked over multi years, you know, with a very clear sort of change to different parts of the organization. Mm. And, and that, and it set about delivering that as the, you know, as the single objective. And we're very much now in a more, and I think you've already picked up the point, experimental phase where we know that we want to change something, but we don't, we're not sure we entirely understand the direction that we're trying to head towards. So it's much more experimental in how we get there. And therefore seeing many more pilots, you know, trials that, that are kind of reaching the customer earlier to kind of get the feedback on the, on the direction of, of, of travel. Yes. And therefore I think it's, you know, to be in retail right now, it's a much more exciting time to be driving those, those, those types of change. Mm. I think what that does mean is that you need your colleagues, you know, in, in store and in the distribution centers much more engaged with what you're trying to achieve because they're an important part of the feedback and learning process. Yes. And I think that's where if you have a, should we say a guiding light or a North Star or a company purpose that can help to align. So you hopefully you can see where the company is heading and the transformation aligns to that as well, of course. I just want to take a slightly different spin on this. Big company change used to have that sort of reference of turning the tanker, you know, this enormous giant machine that has this momentum to keep plowing forward. And actually it takes a significant amount of effort to slow it and turn it, etc. And arguably now a more 
experimental or more agile approach suggests that tanker isn't quite fit for purpose anymore. Is, is that still true? Are we still talking about turning the tanker? I hope not. I mean, to extend your metaphor, we, we talk now about um, it being more like a flotilla of ships that uh, <laughs> you know, you're trying to navigate all in, 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 in one direction. And I think you know, that's a much more helpful metaphor because it does allow some parts of the organization to be out front you know, in their speedboats while you've got some other bits sort of, you know, coming along behind, but also allows, you know, little bits of tack left, tack right for different parts of the organisation to try things out and learn. And, you know, and therefore it's just about how you keep enough of that together as, as you move forward. I really like that flotilla analogy there for a moment, just because actually it really, you know, it goes into the organisational culture that goes alongside transformation in terms of making sure you're aligned with the other parts of the organization with the rest of the flotilla because you know we talk about silo walls etc and actually this is exactly where if you get that flotilla organization wrong you could end up with an accident right on on sea <laughs> and the same is true in in an organization right if we don't go through that transformation that change of direction as one with clear communication with a clear uh, approach then yeah something bad is going to happen that's, that's right. But again, you know, just sort of keeping with that analogy for a minute, you don't all have to tack simultaneously on the same second. Mm. You know, the lead boats turn first and then the middle and then the back of the yes. pack. So, so it is more, you know, it, it's sort of something that happens, happens in an orderly process, but, but actually there's a little bit of time separation for, for the organization to come and journey. Again, I think, you know, again, one of the sort of the really interesting points for me about these transformations is, when do they start and end? And I'm, I'm a big believer now we're in a period of perpetual change. Yes. So that there, you know, transformations don't, you know, we're never going to get to the end point. It's only about which phase of the transformation you're in and how you, you know, particularly in a retail organization that have been absolutely pulling out, you know, the most amazing sort of performance through, through, through COVID and beyond. How do you keep that en- energy high is a really important part of the conversation. How do you keep people engaged? In, in that transformation and something that's so important and therefore the flotilla needs to move together and if some bits want to move faster some bits move, move slowly you've got to find a way of keeping enough of that together to affect the overall outcome for, 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 for the consumer. Totally, totally. How do you keep everyone engaged and energised about the transformation? In COVID we saw quite a significant amount of change overwhelm coupled with all of the, the the other sort of resilience-based challenges that that time brought us. But in a, a post-COVID world, how do we continue that, shall we say, everlasting transformation? So I guess you're getting right to the what I regard as the heart of you know, my job. So I, I'm part of, in EY, what we call the transformation architecture practice, mm. which is about guiding clients through, through that process. And that, if I can switch analogies for a minute, I always talk about the orchestra, where each functional part of your business, there is a different section of, of that orchestra. And the transformation is about trying to get the right part of the orchestra playing at the right time and in sync with everybody else. And, you know, what you'll find is that there's always a lead section in the orchestra, which has the sort of the, the biggest change to effect. But, but even the lead bit has to have some downtime, some rest time where it's maybe the, the you know, suddenly the string section that is much more active. You know, and the, the whole role of a transformation 
is about kind of each bit of the orchestra playing at, at the right time. And that's why we talk about waves and themes, you know, in, in transformation. So waves being the, the time slots mm -hmm. or phases of transformation and the themes being the, the teams or, or sort of the area of the focus. And it's that orchestration of, you know, which bits are in the spotlight playing, you know, lead, leading the orchestra. The others can kind of be having a quieter time and how you then in the next phase swap that around so that everybody has a chance to sort of have the spotlight on them and to have a rest. And that way is how I believe you create that, that sort of sustainable energy to go the long distance. Mm. I mean, that, that's of course also dependent on, you know, everyone aligning to the, the, the clear objective and outcome you know, that you talked about in a North Star. But I think what we're also seeing is, you know, humans will find the energy when they are engaged yep. with, the, with, with the process and the process of the transformation. And again, you know, we've done, EY has done some really interesting research with Oxford University. Mm. We're calling it Human at the Centre. Okay. And for us, that's an absolute sort of set piece now about driving change and how you, how you make sure that your colleagues feel involved, you know, and I think gone are the days where the transformation could be, you know, driven from the, the centre or the sports office in a, in a retail organisation and, and sort of done to the colleague. We're now in a phase where, you know, they need to be part of and need to understand why and be able to input into that transformation. And that, again, is what will create the sustainable energy to achieve the transformation, but also to maximise the outcome that you get. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. I was working with a client recently looking at how we could actually bring more colleagues and customers into their transformation and their transformation strategy so that it is more, more rounded. And it's very much about, like you say, putting, putting people at the heart rather than, should we say, a new technical solution or, or whatever that is. And the brilliant thing these days is that's where technology can play a role. Mm. You know, suddenly you don't have to bring everybody into to the office yes. to, to have those discussions. You know, video conferences work, you know, pulse surveys, you know, are a really quick way of testing sentiment and getting feedback on ideas. So, you know, I think this is where technology is shortening the distance, you know, from the support office to your store. That's such a great example of, you know, using surveys, for example, just to be able to quickly go out and, and just like on social media, get get the feeling of the organisation. Have you seen that really effective use anywhere in particular? Yes, yeah, so the, the, there's one retailer that, that I've, been, I've been working with for a couple of years now on transforming, you know, their high streets. And I, I guess what we've seen is we've, we worked through all the phases. So from the original projects where you brought them, you know, into, into the programme team for a while and took them off store duties, which they always liked, but it was always hard to kind of, then when you took that back out, get that same energy. Mm. We then sort of moved to going into a number of stores and trying to, to work with. I think what we have found is, as I say, we, we call this pulse survey. So again, trying not to be a big set piece survey that you know takes a lot of time to fill out, but how do you sort of quickly send something out to, to that only takes one, two, three minutes to, to kind of get a response yep. to? So you can get a sentiment and then you feed that back in the team and move forward. And that sort of is a much more collaborative way of working because the feedback comes in 
while you're making the decision rather than after you've made the decision you're looking to validate it. And that, you know, therefore you're sort of willingness to, to take that on board while you're in, still in that consideration phase yeah. is, you know, it's much easier. And therefore it also feels more satisfying for the people involved when they see that, you know, you've taken a attack left because of, because of the feedback that they gave you. Yes. That's a fantastic idea for sure. One other question I wanted to ask you, Trevelyan, just as we begin to come to a close on our conversation, is around that idea of the sort of the never-ending transformation. Many companies, particularly larger, older businesses, have come up against challenges with, you know, legacy systems, sort of, you know, very embedded ways of working. How do you, given that we're in a, a an ever-changing world now, how do you avoid painting yourself into the same challenging situation once again where oh you know i can't do this because we've got a load of constraints from five ten years ago and i think that's a really really interesting point because that that those sort of constraints are in increasingly sort of the big challenge of, of a transformation so all the changes that you could do around the existing technology around the existing contracts or ways of working or you know s- supply chain network that you have you know, and, and the point is organizations are now having to face into tackling, you know, the, the, those, those big infrastructural or challenges. Yes. And I guess, you know, this is where I haven't got a simple answer apart from, you know, what, what I am seeing is, you know, an appetite to face into those, to those things and, and to kind of take them on. And therefore it's all about, um, envisaging that future. And how radical that you're willing to be in envisaging it. And what I'm seeing right now, talking to, to a number of clients, is the, the ambition is very high. The scenarios that you know, you know, I, I get very excited about would be absolute rev- revolution on the high street. Mm. And as you work through, you know, work through the transformation, clearly that will ebb, ebb and flow. I always think back to one of my favourite transformation directors that I ever worked with, and what he said to me was, "Your job as a, when leading a transformation." is to turn the dial as far as you can for as long as you can, because you know the organizational inertia will swing it back. And I genuinely feel we're in a phase now where clients are, you know, are, are asking us to help them turn that dial you know, further and farther than, than ever before. And so even though over time, I'm sure that will swing back, you know, the changes that we are going to see coming through over the, the next few, few years are going to be really big step changes in the high street. And I think, you know, therefore I'm, I'm, you know, find this absolutely brilliant time to be working in transformation mm. in retail. And, and, you know, so there is no magic wand, but it is about the organizational ambition and appetite, which is high. And it's how you then sustain that is, you know, it's the art to getting the right outcome. Absolutely. And I love that analogy of turning, turning the dial as far as you can. That's a, a great way of putting it for sure. Trevelyan, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. I'd love to ask, how can people find out more about you and about EY? So, um, so I'm on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy for people to, to contact me that way. EY, clearly our um, website, ey.com, is where you find more information about us and where you'll find the profits warning report that I, that I talked about earlier. Perfect. Wonderful. And we'll, we'll link up the latest report on the show notes as well so do head over there Trevelyan thank you so much this has been a fantastic conversation and one certainly that I'd love to uh, continue on in the future thank you appreciate it thank you Oliver it's been fun
great conversation there with EY's Trevelyan Collier. Now, if you enjoyed that episode, then I heartily encourage you to check out the archives from this podcast, The Retail Transformation Show. There are tons of great episodes, and I wanted to highlight just three as some suggested listening for you next. First up, in episode 229, I was discussing disruption in an episode called To Disrupt or Not To Disrupt. And that dives into the different considerations and factors with big fundamental transformation. Then a little further back in episode 210, I was exploring how to make marginal gains to drive profit, really at the other end of the transformation spectrum. And then finally, take a look back through the archives back to episode 87 for the fantastic conversation that I had with Joe Jackman, all about the reinventionist mindset. A really fascinating conversation there. And that's part one of two. So check out episode 88 as well, where we conclude that conversation. So three fantastic episodes for you to listen to next. If you didn't quite catch them, head over to the show notes today at obandco.uk slash 235. And of course, sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing whilst you are over there. Thanks for tuning in today. And I'll look forward to joining you on another episode of the Retail Transformation Show very, very soon. Bye for now.